This podcast is brought to you by Church Society, a fellowship contending to reform and renew the Church of England in biblical faith. You'll find more information about Church Society and all the things that we do on our website, churchsociety.org. You'll also find there the full archive of the podcast. This podcast episode was recorded during the Church of England Evangelical Council's residential meeting last week. You'll find throughout the episode there are short clips hearing from various members of the council about what we were discussing and how they feel about CEC. I'm afraid that in some of these clips there is substantial background noise, but I hope you will still be able to hear what is said and feel that it is worth putting up with that noise just for a few seconds. I, I'm Gabriel, uh, based at, I'm a general synod rep for uh, Liverpool Diocese. Uh, what I've seen here at CEC that's brilliant is that it, we're so firmly united in the gospel of Jesus and therefore in how precious our doctrine of marriage is and all that that means for the rest of the Church of England. I love it. Uh, I'm Kieran Bush, vicar of St John's Walthamstow, North East London. I'm chair of the Renew planning team. Uh, it's been good being at CEC. Um, particular highlights have been hearing the Spirit's voice from the letters to Revelation and engaging with others uh, around conversations. Welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark. I'm the Associate Director of Church Society. And today I am talking to... Lee Gatiss, the director of Church Society, your boss, Roz. Absolutely, but I am the podcast boss. So, okay, well, that's fair. Uh, Lee, I'm going to begin uh, with the elephant in the room. You've written a couple of blog posts for us about this that are on the Church Society website. You've done other podcasts. Just um, could you give us a, a brief summary um, of what it is that has come out in the last couple of weeks from the House of Bishops that they are proposing and why that is so serious at this point. Sure. Well, obviously, you need to read the, uh, the, the, the blog to get all the details. But essentially, what they've done is um, suggest some prayers of love and faith at the end of the whole living in love and faith process. And the prayers can be used to um, celebrate, affirm, bless, um, and all those sorts of words, any sort of relationship. Um, whether you're marking a significant change in a relationship, whether you're entering a civil partnership, whether you're having a civil marriage and then wanting to come to church for a celebration. There are um, prayers to say when rings are worn um, and the prayers talk about lifelong relationships and so on. So these are essentially prayers to bless same-sex relationships and some other relationships Um uh, and that's what's being suggested by the bishops. They think that they can just do this. They can commend these prayers, this liturgy, these services, because they will be made into services for people um, on their own authority without this having to be approved in detail uh, by General Synod, which is what normally happens with liturgies. But this, because they say they assert it isn't contrary to the doctrine of the Church of England as we've received it in any essential matter, uh, they assert that because it's not a wedding service as such. They think they can just commend it and it will happen whatever General Synod say when it is discussed. So Synod will discuss it, 
but they don't have final say on whether this happens. Right, so the Synod motion asks us to do things like uh, lament the way that LGBTQ people have been treated perhaps in the past, uh, to welcome the ongoing discussions that will continue even after Living in Love and Faith has finished, um, to uh, welcome these proposals, recognising that they're in draft form and will be refined, welcome the change that's proposed to uh, issues in human sexuality. So that currently is the thing which all clergy are asked to give their assent to before they're ordained. And it includes the provision that uh, clergy should not be in same-sex sexual partnerships. So you have to, if you're in a civil partnership with someone same-sex, you have to give your confirmation to the bishop that that is not a sexual partnership. On the basis that the, the Church of England receives the classic uh, Christian doctrine that all sex outside of heterosexual marriage is sinful. Exactly. Whether that's heterosexual or homosexual sin. So one of the really outrageous things, just, you know, to anyone of any persuasion, I think, is we're being asked to welcome that without being given any hint of what the, re- the pastoral guidance that is going to replace it will be. We're asked to welcome this new pastoral guidance when we don't even know what it is. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, that's just ludicrous. So there are a number of things that have happened as a result of this. Obviously, uh, there's some concern about the legality of whether the bishops really can do that, and that is being addressed uh, by one particular group. But, Lee, we've just spent the last two or three days here uh, at Highley for the Church of England Evangelical Council annual residential meeting. So this is the thing that happens every year, um, and the CEC uh, do all kinds of work in different areas, and we've heard about this week some of the work they've been doing with evangelism, and culture and, and power and abuse. Um, what else have we had? I'm sorry, I'm trying to remember. Class and poverty and um, ministry in those sorts of situations that are very different from the standards, you know, middle right. class church um, in the suburbs. Yeah. So we've looked at many different work streams. Yes. Uh, and talked about other things like church schools. Exactly. Um, we've well. had so beginnings of a report from the, the education work stream. They're doing some work on uh, patronage and particularly how that relates to the kind of pastoral reorganisation that many dioceses are doing, combining patronages, uh, combining parishes and suspending patronages and all of those things. So CEC are doing a very wide range of things. I'm Kay Carter. I'm UK National Director for Christianity Explored. Um, I think what I've been really encouraged by is this is obviously a very challenging time for everybody. There's a lot to consider, but in the midst of that, evangelism has been given a real priority. I'm George Crowder. I'm a vicar in the Chester Diocese, also a regional director for Church Society. And there's been an honest appraisal of mission in difficult places, the places that we often ignore. The, 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 the UPAs, the urban priority areas, the places that are in deprivation that we've overlooked and not evangelised well. I think that's been extraordinary to, to see that kind of commitment too. We have spent a lot of time this week, yes. obviously, considering how we might respond to the proposals of the bishops, bearing in mind that General Synod is coming up in a, in a week, just over a week's time now. Yes. What would you say, Lee, as we're, we're sort of almost at the end, we're not quite at the end of this time, what, what has been the general tone of the council as we've talked about what's being proposed and where we might go with it? There is a shock that is echoed from every part of the evangelical constituency. So it isn't just church society saying the same old church society things. 
Um, we, we hear from people in New Wine and people in Fulcrum and people in other parts of the constituency who are equally appalled at what the bishops have suggested and the way in which they're going about um, trying to push these things into the church. And so there is a staggering and a wonderful, marvellous, miraculous unity. So I'm John Colson. I'm part of the New Wine Network of Churches. Um, here's the reality for me that for the first time in 47 years as an ordained Anglican minister, the House of Bishops have collectively decided to do something that's so outside the remit of biblical, historic and worldwide Orthodox Christianity that we are in a complete mess. Um, and the CEC is a fantastic place, group of people to be with, to pray with, to worship God with, and to think together about how we can together work to maintain an orth or restore an orthodoxy, I should say now, to the Church of England on the issues of human sexuality and work together as to how to do that best. Because that's what our understanding is of what it means to be made in the image of God and we, that's who we are, called to be radical disciples of Jesus, living counterculturally rather than just affirming the culture of our age on this issue. And um, in, in the churches that we're working with, young people, people from um, other faith backgrounds, people from other ethnicities, they want to know that actually Jesus offers an alternative way of life to the culture of our world. And so I'm really glad to be at CC with people who believe that as well. A staggering and a wonderful, marvellous, miraculous unity that um, we, must, we must stand against what yeah. the bishops are suggesting um, and somehow try to push back against it, but certainly to be teaching our churches um, about these issues, clearly from the Bible, and to be organising ourselves as a whole evangelical constituency um, to, to not, not just resist, but to, to continue to maintain the apostolic faith. Um, we, we're the ones holding to what the church has always taught and always thought, and we need to, um, we need to continue doing that and provide a, a place for evangelicals to do that. So we've discussed a lot of different ways in which we might um, have gospel separation, gospel difference, gospel contrast in our churches um, if these new proposals do come in. And um, Yes, yeah, and I, I think our discussions have gone a little bit further than that as well. That, I mean, it's been really wonderful every time we've had a, an actual vote on this. You know, this is it's not a conference, it is a council meeting, it's just a very long one. So we do vote on, on motions and there's been mm. unanimity on those once or twice People have to abstain for various conflicts of interest, but nobody has been opposed uh, to anything that's been agreed. Um, but, but you know, the, there are differences, I think, as we sort of work out what are the best words to use, what is the best language to describe uh, what we're talking about so that people in our churches will understand that, but also so that uh, the bishops and the, the structure of the Church of England will hear that, how will it be heard in the press, all of those kind of things. You know, there are right and good conversations to have about that, and people are aware that some things will be heard differently in their part of the constituency and so on. And how we can hold together in a united sort of way, even where different people are able to take different actions 
uh, on grounds of conscience or circumstance or whatever. So one church might be able to withhold char- parish share, but you know, same to another church, you know, a couple of miles down the road is not in a position where they feel that's right or or appropriate. But still, those teachers say, "But we both think this is the same problem, the same seriousness. We, you know, we are in this together, even though we're doing different things." That's really encouraging, I think. Isn't I think it? it's tremendously encouraging that we all recognise the need to do something. Yes. Now that this false teaching um, has has entered the church and has been seriously proposed by the bishops, what is what is good is that we need to recognise we. We shouldn't be waiting for some big, grand plan to materialise on the horizon, um, conjured up by CEEC, that we're all now suddenly going to adopt. You don't need to wait for that to be already starting to differentiate. If your church is not already teaching on this subject, and you're a layperson in that church, you're on the PCC, you're a warden, uh, you're the treasurer, you're doing something, you demand that your minister teaches you on this. You, you you ask them seriously. Yeah. We need teaching on this from the Bible. Um, well, you may be further along. Your PCC could pass a motion that you, as a church, are quite happy with the doctrine of the Church of England as it has always received it, um, and send that to your bishop. You may want to send a delegation to go and see the bishop. You may want to do lots of things with your money, your time, your talents, um, withdrawing from diocesan things. Uh, in protest if your bishop uh, approves of the things that have been suggested. But there's a whole um, spectrum of responses that we can give. Um, we will be at different points on the spectrum, depending on your church, your PCC, um, and, and you yourself and how you want to respond. But you don't need to wait for a big plan to appear on the horizon before you start doing these things. There may be bigger, more developed, more united um, cross-party plans on the way, but start now. Start with the small so that people are ready if a bigger step is required. Though I must say, it isn't inevitable yet that we will right. lose discussions at Synod um, or, or that there's no way we can put some sort of break on this. I'm not saying it's uh, easy or that it uh, will happen, but I'm saying there are things in motion to try and stop or mitigate some of the damage that the bishops are doing. In the current climate in the Church of England, it is increasingly important for churches to be able to clearly identify themselves as faithful to the Bible, faithful to historic Anglicanism, and faithful on the most pressing issues of the day, including matters of gender and sexuality. Partner churches receive a badge that you can use on your website and a certificate to display on your church notice board. Other benefits include access to our regional directors, access to a members-only section of the Church Society website, a welcome gift in the first year, including a bookstore starter pack, 10 copies of Crossway, our quarterly magazine, discounts on various other uh, church society publications and conferences. And in return, partner churches will commit to praying for the Church Society Fellowship and making a financial donation towards the work of church society. We want to be partners with you 
in this gospel work of contending for the Church of England. Will you join us? More details are available on the website or by contacting the Church Society office. Andrew Atherston from Oxford and CAC has been a wonderful celebration of common evangelical cause in the gospel, a real sense of common conviction and unitedness and a determination to uh, resist these foolish proposals from the House of Bishops which are incoherent, illogical, illegal and worst of all missionally and pastorally disastrous. I'm Johnny Jukes, I'm the president at Oak Hill and in some ways, um, meeting here reminds us nothing has changed. The prayer, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field, remains as urgent as ever, as important as ever. But it's been really encouraging to be alongside other people who recognize the significance for seeking training pathways that are going to enable that to happen and people to be well trained as they go out as laborers into the harvest field. And that looks a little more difficult than it did just over a week ago. If you're listening to this sort of as we're putting it out in the week before synod the most useful things you can be doing at this moment are praying for the challenges to these proposals that will happen before and during synod the legal challenge i already referred to but also strategies within the debate as we discuss that at synod itself pray in particular i think for bishops who uh, were part of all the discussions and debates and implicitly have given their uh, assent to these proposals, commending these prayers, to have courage as they begin to realise that perhaps they have been pushed into commending something that they don't. Um, Have courage that some will stand up and say that, that they no longer commend those proposals, that if there comes a vote, that there will be some who'd be willing to vote against it. I think that would be a, a huge statement. It's a difficult thing for a bishop to do, to break ranks in that kind of way, and it would be incredibly powerful. And so therefore, also to that end, please write to your bishop, write a, an actual handwritten letter or an email if, if that's what you can manage. Um, write to them as an individual. Don't wait to be told what to write. Write from your heart. You know, read the proposals. What stands out to you? What breaks your heart about this? What are you most afraid that it will uh, cause? What are you concerned about? Don't be afraid, if you feel very strongly, to put your emotions on the page. Um, Not all of us are are theologians. Not all of us are good at articulating well-formed logical arguments. But at this point, you don't need to be. You just need to tell them, this is why I feel so strongly about this. This is why I'm so hurt and that's why I'm writing to you. If you can do that as a PCC unitedly on behalf of your whole church, that's terrific. Uh, But you can do that as an individual as well. Uh, If you can get something together in your diocese in a local group, then that's wonderful. But but don't wait to organise stuff, as Lee says. Just do it. Um, And sort of the less coordinated it is, at this point, the more effective it is, I think, really. The bishops don't want to feel that they're at the end of a campaign. They need to hear from people who, who they have pastoral responsibility for telling them how badly let down and betrayed I think it's really important, Ros, because I think a lot of bishops don't actually realise how this is landing in their churches because they're somehow hermetically steeled away from 
the ground, uh, the actual people on the ground that this will affect, they don't hear it. They don't know the impact this will have on um, the ministry in church schools. They don't know how this is going to affect people in the workplace from their churches. Tell them. Tell them, because they don't actually realise. I've seen a number of bishops, when you talk to them about some of these proposals, their eyes suddenly widen and think, oh, I didn't realise that that would be a problem if we changed the doctrine of marriage. Um, but yes, it is, uh, Bishop. So tell them, be clear. Um, uh, it, whoever you are, whatever you do, um, it will have an effect on, on you. Yeah. Tell the bishop what that is. Um, Absolutely. And one thing uh, you might want to consider, you know, the thing that, that I think I will focus on when I write to my bishop is I'm very concerned that the bishops don't seem to realise that, as well as undermining the, the doctrine on marriage that the church has always had, how their document seems to me to completely undermine the doctrine of sin that the church has always had. It doesn't mention sin at all. Um, and it seems to make an assumption in one particular paragraph that whatever is happening in a sort of accepted way in the world must be a good and right and an acceptable sort of thing. And so I am very concerned that, that the bishops no longer hold to the Anglican teaching on sin. And, and while one might argue, I, I don't really agree with it, but I think one might argue that a particular doctrine around sexual ethics could be of a second order status. Like I said, I don't think it is, but maybe some people think that. It's very difficult to argue that the doctrine of sin is of a second order status. It is absolutely at the heart of the gospel. If there is no sin, there is no repentance, there is no forgiveness. Well, it's almost every doctrine, isn't it, really? So they're, they're attacking the doctrine of scripture, its clarity, its perspicuity, its authority. They're undermining the doctrine of sin um, because they... Uh, well, as you've just outlined, they're undermining the doctrine of salvation. What are we saved from? And how are we saved? Do we have to repent of certain things? Will certain people be excluded from the kingdom of heaven, as scripture says repeatedly? And what about the doctrine of sanctification? Do we actually have to be sanctified from some of these uh, things? I have all kinds of devices and desires in my own heart. Um, I thought that the Anglican doctrine was we repent of those every exactly. week. But is that not true? And so it's, this is an attack on every doctrine, really. Particularly I, the ones that begin with S, it seems. <laughs> Scripture, a lot, a sin, lot of salvation, sanctification, yeah. A lot of doctrines begin with S, that's right. I mean, I've ordered a, a sweatshirt that I plan to wear at General Synod that says God's love is fully inclusive and it's got a rainbow heart on it. Because God's love is fully inclusive. You know, God so loved the world. Yeah. Anyone and everyone, you know, nobody is excluded from God's love on the basis of who they are or what sins they have committed or, you know, what race or tribe. It is. But it's, but it is the same for all of us. It is that we are all sinners and we all need to repent and we all need God's love to be ministered to us through the death of Christ who loved us while we were still his enemies. It doesn't say you're not my enemies, God's love. It says you are my enemies and I love you anyway and come to me and, and then we're going to sort this all out. I'm Rod Thomas, formerly the Bishop of Maidstone and a member of the House of Bishops Next Step group. I've been really encouraged by what's happened at the CEC because of the clarity of insight into what has emerged from the House of Bishops and also the clear understanding that if we move away from the Church's existing doctrine, both of marriage and of sexual relationships, a red line has been crossed necessitating differentiation. Rob Monroe, the Bishop-elect of Ebbsfleet, but um, soon to be consecrated within the week.
It's been a real joy to be at CNC and see Evangelical Unity lived out in a commitment to prayer and action and to encourage the General Synod um, to help the House of Bishops step back from a move which could be seriously damaging to the unity of the church and the mission of the church for the future. Do you think, Lee, we've reached the point where we want to say any, doc, any bishop who's continuing to commend these proposals could be described as a heretic or a false teacher? I know you've been in heresy half hours with Chris Moore. <laughs> are, are we at the stage where that's appropriate language to use, do you think? I think that, as Thomas Aquinas said, he put it very nicely in his commentary on Titus 3, where Paul's talking about um, divisive heretical oh. teachers. Um, Aquinas said, if somebody teaches that God is not one and a trinity, or if they teach that sexual immorality is not a sin, they are a heretic. So if you have a bishop who teaches that sexual immorality is not a sin, then they are as much a heretic as if they are denying the Trinity. That is hard teaching, but that is classic Christian orthodoxy, creedal orthodoxy, that you will not find any major theologian ever disagreeing with in the whole history of the church. Exactly. So that is, that is something we need to take on board and take extremely seriously when considering how to react, respond, and deal with people who are teaching this and trying to uh, foist it onto the church, if I can use that emotive Right, language. so I think that's really important for people to know. This is not a, a sort of Anglican quirk. That it, so it's not of the same order, for example, as infant baptism. I, mean, no. I, I don't want to quite say that's an Anglican quote, but you know what I mean, that, you know, that is a, a tenet of Anglican doctrine, that we baptise infants, but we know that our Baptist friends out there who, who think that's wrong are also faithful believers in the Lord and can be faithful ministers of the gospel, and there's a thing we disagree on. But actually, this is not of this order, and I think that's a really helpful thing to take it back to someone like Aquinas, who's a, you know, great pre-Reformation theologian, who's revered by the Catholic Church and held in high esteem by Christians of, of all stripes, you know, this is a, a, a fundamental Christian thing. Yeah. And therefore, to deny this, you are then in that category of heresy rather than just wrongness. Yeah. It's very different from debates on infant baptism or... Um, <laughs> even women's ordination, you know, I don't think those are first order issues because the Bible is explicit when it comes to some of these things that yeah, if we live this way, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the Bible says this repeatedly. You know, Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, in, uh, in Galatians 5, in Ephesians 5. We're not to be deceived by people who try and make us see these things as not so serious. Mm. Do not be deceived and do not be partners with those who try to deceive on these primary issues of salvation. Of course, it's not just sex that, uh, and, and yeah. marriage doctrine that will exclude people from heaven. There are all sorts of other things as well that are Absolutely. listed there. But we don't, we're not currently under threat of accepting theft or 
uh, or other major sins as acceptable and blessable yes. in in the church. And I think you made the, the parallel with, or the contrast really, with the issue of women's ordination. And I think that's a really helpful one for people to hear. We have a, a settlement within the Church of England that says, um, you know, women can be ordained, women can be consecrated as bishops. That is the, the settled teaching of the Church of England. But there is an acceptance that there can be a different opinion on this, a different rightly theological view on this. And what we are committed to, we may not be doing it terribly well in practice, but we are committed to the mutual flourishing of both of those groups. And I can look at some of the women here at CEC who are ordained and wholeheartedly rejoice that, that their ministry is flourishing because it is a, a gospel ministry. They are preaching the gospel. And, and so I want that to flourish, even if I disagree precisely with, with how they're going about that. And I hope they feel the same about, about us complementarians, that they disagree with us about this one issue, but they know that we're committed to the same gospel and therefore we want each other to flourish. This issue around same-sex uh, marriage and sexual immorality is not of that order. I don't want somebody preaching that what God has said to be a sin is not sin. Is a good that we is can a, bless. Is a, exactly. I don't want that ministry to flourish because it is a dangerous ministry that is leading people away from Christ and away from salvation and into death and destruction. Why would I want that to flourish? Exactly. So I don't really care if they want to, to say, but you know, we want you to flourish. I don't want them to flourish. That cannot be mutual. And so we cannot be working towards the same kind of settlement because it is not the same kind of issue. Yeah. People, uh, I think people in the church who are um, officers of the church, you know, preachers and teachers and bishops of the church ought to be teaching the doctrine of the church. And so I think if you are not loyal to that and preaching and teaching that and upholding it, then, or living it, then you ought not to be in the church. Yeah. You ought to be somewhere else. Um, We're already disunited, actually, if that is what is happening, and we need to stop pretending that we're not. Yes, there's far too much pretense in this whole thing. Um, like the, the bishops pretending that what they're suggesting and doing is not a change in Anglican doctrine. Well, they, they can't have it both ways. You know, they say it's not a change in Anglican doctrine, and yet all the press releases talk about it being a major change, a revolutionary change. Radical new inclusion. A radical new thing, exactly. So, I mean, which is it? Yeah. Is it a radical new thing, or is it... Is it not a change in Anglican doctrine? Yeah. Let, let's just be honest and yeah. upfront with people about it and have a full on debate about it. But that's not yeah. what they seem to be suggesting. But okay, anyhow. well, I mean, that's where we are now. I just want to let you know we're planning uh, to be podcasting over the next couple of weeks around this issue. Next week, we'll have one that will come out hopefully on the first day of General Synod, February the 6th. And we'll just uh, talk a bit about. What, what is actually going to happen at Synod, what the debates will be, what you could be particularly praying for and, and doing during that time. And then the week after that, it may not be on the Monday, but, but certainly early in the week after that, we'll have some reflection on what happened and where we are. I think at that point, we will have a, a clearer idea Exactly, you know, we'll know what Synod has agreed or not agreed, whether things have been revised or not revised. We'll know whether bishops have spoken out or not spoken out. And, and then uh, we'll have some reflections on where that leaves us and what to do next. 
Let's pray for people like Roz and uh, many others who are bearing the brunt of some of this on the General Synods. That's not an easy job right now uh, to do that with grace and with firmness and boldness. So let's keep people like Roz and uh, Chris Moore, also from Church Society staff and many others that you will know uh, in our prayers. Well, my name is Oye Oladipo. I am a curate um, at the Diocese of, Chel- of Chelmsford. What have I enjoyed about the CEC? The fact that we have a body that pulls evangelicals together across the divides and um, behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. That is what I see in the CEC and with unity we can make so many things happen in the body of Christ. Jesus prayed for the unity of his believers and I think we are seeing that here. And where we are united, God works. Bishop Renis Munaya, I'm the honorary uh, uh, director for the Global South Fellowship of Anglican Churches. And it's been a joy here. I've come to help the CEC to see its relationship with the global body. I've been encouraged by uh, how they are committed to guard the gate. Uh, against false teaching, but I'm also encouraged that they're getting the gospel out, that the gospel is reaching out to the rest of the society. Wish them well. I'm Keith Sinclair. I'm the National Director of CEC. Um, And what's great about God's gift of CEC to the wider church at the moment, John Stott, when he set us up, asked us to have a common mind of evangelicals for concerted action. And by the grace of God, that's what I believe he's given us at this residential for this such a time as this. And I'm thanking God for answered prayer. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Church Society podcast. You can find the whole podcast archive on our website, churchsociety.org. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your usual podcast app. And we'd love it if you were able to leave a review or give us a rating over there as well. Mm-hmm.